while you're turning. A lion met a tiger as they drank beside the pool. Said the tiger, please tell me why you're roaring like a fool. That's not foolishness, said the lion with a twinkle in his eyes. I'm called the king of beasts because I advertise. A rabbit heard them talking, ran home like a streak. He thought he'd try the lion's plan, but his roar was just a squeak. A fox came to investigate, had lunch in the woods. The moral is, when you advertise, be sure you got the goods. That's why I tell people I'm just a dumb old Kentucky boy that ain't so very smart, and when I talk, I get mixed up. My gears are hard to start. It seems I don't have many brains like other folks I know, and when it comes to society, my dumbness there I show. But I found it don't take brains, my friend, the best in life to gain. It's not your wealth or what you are, prestige you might obtain. It only takes just simple faith, eternal life to find. No matter who or where you stand, there's grace for all mankind. I went down to the jailhouse once to witness for the Lord. I told them how the Lord saved me. They sure looked mighty bored. They nudged each other and they smiled. They thought that I was dumb. But they stayed in and I walked out when leaving time had come. So I'm still just a dumb old Kentucky boy and I hope I'll always be just smart enough to trust the Lord for all eternity. So I'll just keep traveling on a few brains and not real smart. I'm just a dumb old Kentucky boy with Jesus in my heart. On May the 7th, 1962, while serving in the United States Navy, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior at the Northwest Naval Radio Receiving Station, and He changed my life, and I'm eternally grateful, and uh, God has been so good to me. Now, one little caveat here. I am not the pastor of the Winkler Road Baptist Church. I was until last week, and uh, I stepped down after 34 years, eight plus months as the pastor, and uh, they said I could be the pastor emeritus. And uh, we did look that word up. And I want you to know that if you take that word emeritus and $2.12, you can get a medium cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, so I am now, this is really my first time to say this, I am the pastor emeritus at Winkler Road Baptist Church. Those are wonderful people. And Miss Judy and I have had uh, 34 plus years to serve with them uh, in the ministry. And one of the little perks of that kind of thing is meeting people like Brother and Sister Lytell. And uh, I've always enjoyed the fellowship with Brother Bill Lytell. There's nothing I wouldn't do for him and there's nothing he wouldn't do for me. So we spend a lot of time doing nothing for each other. <laughs> but he is a great guy and uh, Gospel Baptist Church. You know, uh, we've seen your billboards, and we've been down here, and my wife has been here for ladies' meetings and has loved the ladies that she has met here, and uh, you all just keep it up. Now, uh, I tell you, I, this election, I, I get em mixed emotions. Uh, sometimes I think we're going to win big, and sometimes, oh, my goodness, if we don't win, it's going to be big <laughs> trouble for us. And... Uh, but I said, Lord, if I was thinking yesterday and the uh, day before, if we win, now you understand who we is, probably the ones that you're for too, if we win, we ought to double down on serving God. He's giving us another reprieve, an opportunity to, to serve the Lord. Now, I did hear about this one guy. Now, you can tell this either way you want to tell it, if you're a Democrat or Republican, and, uh, but this guy was a Republican, and he went down. He had one week to live. He went down, and he changed his party affiliation. And somebody said, why would you do that? He said, well, I just got to thinking I'd rather one of them people die than one of us.
Brother Lance, God bless you for the time that you spent in Czechoslovakia. A lot of people would not have lasted that long at all. And uh, I don't have a hat on, but take my hat off to you for just staying by the stuff. I did hear about this one little Christian college that uh, had one particular course that was well attended and well liked because for 25 years, there were no pop quizzes. There was no... There were no tests except just one test at the end of the semester, and it was, for 25 years, the same test. And that test was, describe the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Well, people would sign up for that, and they put Meathead, now that'll tell you something just by his name, they put Meathead, he was the star of the football team, in that course because he needed it for the credits. So he signed up, and they gave him a tutor. He learned about the missionary journeys of Apostle Paul. He knew about Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas, and he knew this town and that town, the first journey, the second journey. And so he's ready to go. He goes in for the final exam, and the teacher said, now in just a moment, I'm going to tell you to start. You turn the paper over, put your name in the upper right-hand corner, and when you finish, you can leave. And he said, you may start. And they turned the paper over, and there was this, <gasps> gasp that went up all over that room for the first time in 25 years they changed the final exam and now the final exam is critique the sermon on the mount preached by Jesus and you heard this groan all over the place except for meathead meathead start writing people couldn't believe it so this guy would take his paper up there and just get an F. Another guy would get an F. Another guy would get an F. Because they didn't have any idea what that was all about. Except Meathead. He just kept writing. After one hour, there was a stack of papers there with Fs. And Meathead finally turned his paper in. And he got an A+. And somebody said, Meathead, what did you say? He said, well, I just said, who am I to critique a sermon preached by Jesus? Instead, let me just tell you about the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Have you found the gospel of Luke chapter 4? It was impressive to see the men stand a while ago and quote Bible verses that they had learned. That was a blessing. In Luke's gospel chapter 4, let's begin reading at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And may it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval on the reading, hearing, heeding, and preaching of his forever settled in heaven word of God. And may I give you three quick facts about God. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And would you pray with me and for me, please? Father, for a few moments, would you speak to our hearts? And Lord, as Jesus opened the book, 
May it be in us to also have a desire to open the book. Speak here now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. There are two times in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ when he opened the book. One, I just read it in your hearing. He opened the book, found the place that was written, and he delivered a, a little message to the people that were in the synagogue. The second time is in Revelation chapter 5. In Revelation chapter 5, they were looking for somebody who was able to open the book and to loose the seals thereof, and they couldn't find anybody. And John said that he began to cry and began to weep because nobody could be found to open and read the book. And then there was a voice that said, Weep not, John, for the line of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ who did open the book. In those two times that the, the Lord opened the book, in the first one, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, it is a ministry of grace. In the second one, in Revelation chapter 5, when he opened the book, it was a ministry of judgment. But Jesus can open the book. When the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, after the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, they were walking along and Jesus came up and he walked with them. And uh, while they communed, you remember that story, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he opened the scriptures to us? And uh, we certainly want the Lord to open the scriptures to us. In the text that I read to you, you will notice that the Lord Jesus in this passage of scripture opened the book while he was in the synagogue. And while he had gone to the synagogue, it was the synagogue that was in his boyhood place, Nazareth. Now, they asked the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And sometimes if you're patient and you're willing to look, you can find some treasures out of junk piles. Nazareth was, its only claim to fame was the fact that Jesus was raised there. He was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. And they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? There are some people in the Bible that came out of some pretty unusual, dark kind of places, sinful kind of places. Their parents were not the best of people, but they were a trophy of God's grace. And you and I ought to we ought to be like Jesus who made his town famous. Uh, we ought to at least put our town on the map. That's the town where Bill Lytell pastored in. Uh, that's the town where Brother Lance is the pastor of. And that's the town where uh, Brother Tom Crichton was the pastor of. And just make wherever you came from proud that you were born there or that you were raised there. I tell people I was born in Kentucky, but I was born again in Virginia. Not Danville, but in the Norfolk area, right outside of Norfolk in a little town called Northwest. And I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to hear the gospel while I was in the United States Navy. Well, that was his boyhood place. That was the town in which he was raised. And then uh, there's something about his training. He was brought up there. And having been brought up there means he was raised there. It was there that Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up, raised him up. And the scripture says in Luke 2, 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. If you want to be a well-rounded square, then uh, you must have a, a well-rounded four-pronged base foundation. He increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. 
He increased mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. Don't go to seed on any of those things. The older I get, the more I realize the importance of being balanced in your life, that you don't go off leaning one way or just some guys, they only preach one thing. Uh, we're to preach the whole counsel of God. We're to be balanced in our preaching. And Jesus was certainly balanced. He was raised there. And then he had a testimony. The Bible says in the text that I read to you, as his custom was that he went into the synagogue. His custom was because his parents, and I say parents, I realize that Mary was his mother and Joseph would have been his foster father. And, uh, but they took him early on to the synagogue so that the synagogue is a, a place where they come together. And they come together for the purpose of reading scripture and the purpose of praying and no doubt the purpose of fellowship as well, somewhat like we do when we go to church. And Jesus had that holy habit because that was his custom. I have four children with Miss Judy and we have 10 grandchildren. We have four great-grandchildren and a fifth on the way. And uh, I pray for my family to have six holy habits. I want them to have the habit of reading the Bible, praying, witnessing, giving, church attendance, and church ministry. If that would be true in their lives, they don't all have to be preachers. That's good because three of my kids are adult girls. And, uh, and my son is a Border Patrol agent. And my son and Bill's son are big buddies. And at one time they worked together. But nonetheless, uh, you want to have holy habits in your life. And Jesus, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. That was his boyhood place. Now, while he's there, there was a, a book that was presented to him. And when he had taken that book, and the Bible says he opened the book. One day that just grabbed me. He opened the book. Now, in this particular case, it was the book Isaiah. We usually say Isaiah. And uh, it's interesting that it was that book. And Isaiah is... I have not studied this out for all 66 of these chapters. I have on a few of them. But uh, Isaiah is a book that has 66 chapters, and there are 66 books in our Bible, 39 in the Old, 27 in the New. And uh, that particular book, and it is a very powerful book. One of the men quoted tonight from Isaiah 53. And it is a book that is just filled with great prophetic truth and great practical truth and the stuff that would encourage you and help you. And so that was the book that was presented to Jesus and when he opened the book. And I got stuck with that and he opened the book. Are you in the habit of opening the book? Somewhere years ago, God stirred in my heart about reading in the Bible. And if you're going to read the Bible, you've got to open the Bible. In the book of Nehemiah, they said, bring the book. And they brought the book. And they opened the book. And they read in the book. And they gave the sense, and they read it distinctly. And they read it, and then they told what it meant. And the book changed. It changed my life. It changed my wife's life. It changed your life if you have been in the book. Just you have to open the book. Don't ever leave the book closed. Get in the book. You realize that your, your future depends on opening the book? Now, there are only two places to go, either heaven or hell. And you don't go to heaven automatically. You can go to hell that way, just being born, because we're born wrong, and that's why Jesus said you must be born again. But if you're going to go to heaven, you need to know some things, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You 
must know the Lord, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. There is just something about opening the book, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Your future depends on it. Your freedom depends on it. You know, the Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We should never take our freedom from granted. The thing that, dis- that, that disturbs me somewhat about this election on Tuesday night, and I've prayed, and I'm still praying, and uh, I encourage our people to be, make sure you're registered and then go vote. The truth is, if all of people who claim to be Christians in this country, and that's a broad brush, if all of them would go vote and vote right, uh, we'd probably win every election. But we have too many, quote, Baptists that vote liquor in in certain places and vote other things in because they haven't been in their Bible. They haven't read that wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You need to open the book. Your freedom depends on that. And uh, how you can, the prayer that Brother Pastor Lytell prayed at the start of this meeting tonight, uh, that in itself, just following that prayer, you'd vote right, and uh, you'd vote biblical. Your, your freedom depends on it. Your faith depends on it. Open the book. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For a long time, I wondered about that. I'm thinking faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We tend to think that heaven, whether faith is like some invincible, intangible, ethereal kind of thing, and you can't put your finger on it, and yet that passage is talking about substance and evidence. I have a friend, that might surprise you, but I have a friend who was, I think, number 16 in his family. Mom and dad, 16 kids, he's number 16, and they had a couple of workers. Now, his dad had this little farm, and so uh, he has to feed these kids, and uh, when they would feed the people for eating lunch, they fed those people as well. And when they would have chicken. Now, when you're number 16, you don't get much chicken. As number 16, all that was left was basically just chicken broth. And he said, you know, that's the substance of things hoped for. If there's chicken broth, that means there was a chicken. And he said, on the plate, after those other people ate, and I'm down here number 16, I'm not eating much, but there's a plate of chicken bones. Those chicken bones, he said, are the evidence of things not seen. I thought, that opened that up for me. Your faith depends on it. You know, there's just something about opening This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the book. And Jesus opened the book. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he hath anointed me to preach. And when you read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, it starts off, Jesus is full of the Holy Ghost, and he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he came out of that temptation... The Bible says he was still full of the Holy Ghost. He went in full of the Holy Ghost. 
He got tempted. He didn't sin. He came out full of the Holy Ghost. And the thing that encouraged me was that while he is being tempted of the devil, he used something that everybody in this room tonight has access to. He had the Spirit of God. And if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God. If you have not the Spirit of God, you're none of his. You have the Spirit of God. After that you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And you have the Word of God. These men stood up here and quoted it tonight. And that's not just for them. It's not just for staff or preachers or deacons. It's for anybody. And I suspect you have a lot of children who can stand up and quote the Bible as well. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You know, you really don't live if you don't get in the Bible. You think you live. And you may have a good life as compared to other people. But if you want to really live, you see, in him we live and move and have our being. And when you get into the word of God, there's just something about reading the Bible. One of the things that I have been strong on for 34 years at Winkler Baptist Church is challenging people to read the Bible. We had a little sign out on the marquee that said where the Bible comes alive. It's a sin to make the Bible boring. This is the most exciting book. It's alive. It gives life. It's a living organism. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If Jesus were a book, he'd be the Bible. If the Bible were a person, he'd be Jesus. There's just something about the Bible. The Bible is alive, and you have the Bible to quote to the devil when you get tempted and you have the spirit of God he used what you have and I have you know there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it we don't have to do what's wrong you have a choice and one of the words that you need to learn to say is no just no. And uh, when somebody tells you, let's go do this, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, if, if you have a Bible verse for it, it's even better, but just, just to say no. And so Jesus had the Spirit of God. He was full of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I, I think he was full of the Word of God too. And he grew in those areas. Remember, he increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. And so Jesus, he is saying that the Spirit, he found it in the Bible. He found it in the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach. There's something about, matter, matter of fact, in this very passage, you find the word preach three times. Now, it's again mentioned in the same chapter. Preach. There's something about preaching. Pastor Bill Lytell is a Bible he doesn't just stand and shoot off the cuff or from the hip or give you warmed up leftover from some commentator somewhere. He takes the Bible and he gives you the Bible. He could not give you anything better when he gives you the Bible. And Jesus said, he is, he's, he's anointed me to preach. If you're preaching from the Bible, well, preach on. If you're longing for revival, preach on. Preach on sin and condemnation. Preach to sinners his salvation. Preach to Christians consecration, but preach on. 
If you step on someone's corns, well, preach on. Just grab the bull by the horns and preach on. Even though we may not like it, whether it's wrong, the Lord will write it. And though some try to fight it, just go ahead and preach on. Let not time be a restriction. Just preach on. If the sinner's got conviction, just preach on. Christ can save his soul from hell, cleanse his heart, and make him well, even if it's after 12. So preach on. From the law to revelation, yes, preach on. Christ for every situation, oh, preach on. If your members doubt it and say they can live without it, if you've talked to God about it, then preach on. Think of Christ's own message clear and preach on. Therefore, all who want to hear, oh, preach on. All are sinners, they must know that his blood did freely flow. He can wash them white as snow, so just preach on. There's something about preaching. And if you're going to preach, preach the word. Preached the book. And Jesus said, and he found it in the book. When he opened the book, he found that he's anointed me to preach. And the crowd that he's going to preach to is to the, the bankrupt, those who are poor. And the idea is, before God, you're poor. You have nothing. It's like the song, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. You are bankrupt spiritually apart from anything that if God doesn't do it for us, we're not going to make it. We are to understand that we are, that we are just bankrupt. And then he said in this very passage of Scripture, he has anointed us to preach to the captives. We're bound. You know that America tonight is a nation of, of addicted people. We're full of addictions. You all have a minister here for addictions. There are people that are, and all sin, by the way, is addictive. Now, some sin is sometimes more addictive than others, and you may not get off of it if you didn't get some help. But sin is a very addictive thing. Proverbs 5 says that a man is taken by the cords of his own iniquities. You do something wrong, it's like a little thread. No problem, you can break that. You do it again, and it's like the thread it's another little thread. And pretty soon, if you wind three or four threads together, you may find you have something that the strongest man in the building tonight couldn't break it. And if, if the Lord doesn't break it, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin, you will, be, you will stay bound. He's able, to, he's able to set free the captives. And then uh, he... He takes care of the brokenhearted. America's full of broken hearts, broken homes, broken hopes. You know the way to get a broken heart? You get a broken heart through the shame of sin. How could I have done that? Or because of, of sorrow. When I was on staff years ago in Orlando with Bob Ware, who was in the Navy at the same time I was, and he's one of the reasons why I'm a Christian. He started the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Orlando, and I went there on staff for about two years, and one day I went down to the hospital, downtown Orlando, and there was a lady who had been in a car wreck, and she was in contractions, and she was in casts, and she was just a mess. And I'm just a young preacher, and I'm going in there, and what are you to say to somebody like that who's got all these casts and and so forth. And I'm trying to think of something that would encourage her. And I said, well, lady, at least you don't have a broken heart. And she started crying. She said, but I do. 
My husband just walked out on me. I really didn't know what to say then. I know sometimes people think preachers have all the answers, but they don't have all the answers. You know, if Jesus doesn't soothe that wound, I do not know the rest of the story on that lady. But Jesus was sent to help those people. And those that are blind, sometimes you hear people say, I just don't see it. I don't see it that way. Or they're bruised, they're just pressed down, crushed by life with all of its whatevers. It just bruises. And his message to these, the basis of his power is the Spirit of God. But the blessedness of preaching, he was going to preach the gospel to the captives and to preach deliverance and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You know, what we need really is found in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a great text of Scripture. He opened the book. My life's verse is Psalm 119, I have two verses, 161, 162. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I do not use the word awesome very often. In the Bible, David said, I stand in awe of thy word. I would use the word awesome with regard to this book. And the Bible says, stand in awe of him, God. I would use the word awesome when it regards the Lord God. And in Psalm 4, uh, you commune with your own heart upon your bed. And he's talking about sin. And he said, stand in awe. You ought to understand how awesome sin is in what it will do to you. You want to stay away from it. So when I was thinking about awe, how do you describe awe? My heart standeth in awe of thy word. I've had the privilege. I haven't done it in the last few years because of some uh, physical issues with bulging discs, that kind of thing. But I used to go every year to the Grand Canyon. Some years I did it more than once. Now, if you ever go to the Grand Canyon, you'll, you'll either hate it or love it. I happen to love it. The first time you go to the Grand Canyon, you go to, it's a national park, and uh, you pay to get in, and if you're a certain age, you can buy a golden pass. You have to be a certain age, and then you can go to any national park free after that, but you have to be <clears throat> up in the 50s. Well, I done passed that some time ago. So I bought my golden pass, and you go for about, it seemed like about five miles, and it's like South Georgia. You've been to South Georgia? South Georgia is a bunch of scrub pines and scrub whatever this and this. It just doesn't look like much. And I'm riding along, and I'm thinking, well, where's the canyon? And then you park. Now, they have changed the logistics. But in those days, you parked at Mather Point, and you got out of your car, and you just sort of follow the crowd over. And here's what you do. You, you go over like this, and you go, ah! I want you to know you've never seen a hole like that hole. Never. It'll take your breath away. It's 18 miles over there. 
It's about 300 miles long, though you don't get to see it all at the same time. If you went straight out from Mather Point and dropped a pebble, it would fall about a mile. I'm telling you, you've never seen a hole like that. It'll take your breath away. Now, understand when David said, my heart standeth in <gasps> awe of thy word. Let me tell you how to get revival in America. If God's people would go from I got to go to church again. Open the Bible to the book of Luke. I know all about Luke. If we could go from to, would you turn the Bible to the book of Luke? Do you see the difference in that? How many of you see the difference? If we could go from to, my heart standeth in awe of thy word. You love this book? I'll tell you a story and I'll be through. I have a friend, a story and a poem, because they go together. I have a friend, his name is Barker. And when Barker was working his way through college, he got a job in an Indiana prison. And he was a Christian. But they wouldn't let him carry his Bible in the prison. And they said, now, if an inmate asks you a question, you can talk about the Bible. But you can't initiate it. So they, after a while, they named, nicknamed this guy Preacher Man. Because he knew something about the Bible. They'd ask him, anyone, lots of people to the Lord. Some weird people to the Lord. And one day he was in, he said he was in old dorm. Now, that sounds like a college, doesn't it? Judy and I was in California a few years ago, and there was a sign that said, California Men's Colony. That's a prison. He's in old dorm, and he was doing his evening shift from 4 to 12, making sure that everybody was supposed to be where they were supposed to be and this kind of thing. And he's making his rounds, and he went into this room, and there was this elderly gentleman sitting on the edge of his bunk, and he had a open Thompson chain Bible in his hand. So my friend, preacher man, he was always looking for ways to start conversations. And so he just walked up and he said, uh, understandest thou what thou readest? That's what Philip said to the Ethiopian. And the man looked up at him and said, yes, preacher man, I'm afraid I do. And sometimes I wish I didn't. And he told him the story. He said, uh, I got into sin. I lost my church. I lost my family. And I lost my freedom. And I'm here. And he said, preacher man, I can tell you when it started. And my friend said he'd heard this from a number of guys. It all started. The day I laid my Bible down. He said, you know, I thought I could handle it for a while. So he just wasn't reading the Bible. And he said, preacher man, I understand that you get to speak to a lot of young people. You can tell them my story. 
He was a fundamental independent Baptist preacher. He put his Bible down and was in prison. He said, you have my permission to tell my story. And my friend, Barker, he said, what I did was God gave me a sermon that I entitled the day I put my Bible down. And he said, God gave me a poem. And here's what he said. There was a man of God who sat in a prison cell. He had preached the word of God. Everyone had known him well. Now he sits with his head bowed. He hardly makes a sound because one day he decided to put his Bible down. His cellmates, they all wondered why to prison he would go. If he had done his best for Jesus, why is his head so low? They asked, why are you here, Christian? As they gathered round, the man then told the story. I put my Bible down. I thought that it was harmless to skip a day or two of reading my devotions. I had other things to do. Then my new nature grew weak and the devil came to town and I could not win the battle because I'd put my Bible down. I did not know how to fight him. I did not know what to say for I had not read God's word or took the time to pray. Oh, I went on serving Jesus. How godly I did look, but I did not have the power that comes from God's dear book. So now I sit in a prison, an inmate just like you. My reputation is all ruined. My preaching days are through. That's why I hang my head. And my face wears a frown because I regret that day. I put my Bible down. Oh, Christian, hear the message from this man's prison cell. There are children who need a leader. There are sinners going to hell. There are blessings to obtain. We must win the victor's crown. May we never have to say the words, I put my Bible. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.